You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman. This podcast is my story. It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. Hello, I have my crystal ball and my crystal ball says that today's podcast is going to be really informative and that you're going to get a lot out of it. Let me see if I can get it to, is today's podcast going to be amazing? I think the batteries in my crystal ball need to be replaced because it's really slow. So we're just going to put it away. Welcome to She Became Visible. This week, I have a fabulous guest on, and I'm really excited to talk about the subject that we're going to be talking about today. What we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about crystals, seer stones, and we're going to be talking about how that relates to Mormonism. And um, I'm going to be referencing a lot of fabulous people. Uh, this is the Early Mormonism and the Magic Worldview by Michael Quinn. And um, he is like the god of, of talking about the magical worldview that Joseph Smith and his family and how the more the religion came to be. And it was actually, I think, one of the most important books that actually got him excommunicated. And what I think is hilarious and what I will show you is that Michael Quinn, a devout Mormon until the end of his life, even though he was excommunicated, he had a testimony of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Fabulous man. I, I just have so much admiration for his integrity and his faith and his ability to look at historical facts and still have a belief that gave him, you know, peace and also made his life hell, which is amazing. But anyway, we're going to be quoting from him and some other fabulous people. But we're going to be talking about crystals, magic, um, beliefs in the unknown, the beliefs in angelic presence. Uh, and belief in rituals that would create a certain outcome for your life and how on one side of the story, people will poo-poo this idea and then unknowingly, they actually embrace the entire concept. I think it's so fabulous. So let's just get into it. No more of me rattling along. So let's just start talking about this. So we're going to start out by talking about... Um, Cognitive dissonance, treasure digging, crystals, and mystical thinking. Now, let me get rid of this. I don't like this background. It's confusing. Okay, there we go. All right. So um, 
this is where you have the actual in in the Bible and in a lot of religions, they will come out and they'll say, you know, uh, magicians, tarot card readers, um, anybody that deals with any kind of spiritual mysticism is considered of the devil or of Satan. But then ironically, we believe in a virgin birth. We believe in turning water into wine. We believe in magical healings. And so it's just amazing how our minds want to work with this. So this is a picture of, uh, these are uh, tools uh, from Joseph Smith's family. Let me see if I get rid of me. One of the historical things that I didn't know anything about, I didn't know anything about treasure jig digging. I didn't know that his family was into the occult. I didn't know that his mother was, you know, really um, um, heavily and, and that the Lehigh's dream was actually a vision that his Joseph Smith Jr.'s father had already received. There's just so many things that I did not know about at that time. And, and this, of course, is one of them. Um, now, this is, let me...
There you go. So that's what we're talking about, how he was able to use his talent as a, um, a very charismatic person. He had a lot of people who believed he could see uh, things through his magical seer stones and his magical powers. And he realized that if he could get people to follow him in that area, he could get people to believe another magical story. And what I also find interesting is in Michael Quinn's book, he talks about how this was not something that was unusual or unique at that time. He points out that uh, during America's revival, some saw visions of both God the Father and Jesus Christ. Devout claims of seeing God were quite common, particularly by adolescents. In its chronicle, published in 1786, the Ephrata commune celebrated Catherine Hummer, who had several visions, including one of the Savior and the Father. These two, the Father and the Son, stood together. That's what she reports. This occurred in a group which believed and practiced various forms of the occult. Billy Hubbard wrote about an ecstatic vision at age 11. When I came to the place of prayer, had kneeled down and closed my eyes with my hands uplifted toward the heavens, I saw Jesus Christ at the right hand of God looking down upon me and God the Father looking upon him. Hibbard added that as a young married man in the 1790s, as I looked up, I saw heaven open and Jesus at the right hand of God and the heavenly host surrounding the throne, adoring the Father and the Son in the most sublime strains. Um, in 1815, Norris Stearns published his vision in which, you ready? There appeared a small gleam of light in the room above the brightness of the sun. The young man then saw two, two things. One was God, my maker, almost in bodily shape like a man. His face was as it were a flame of fire. Below him stood Jesus Christ, my redeemer, in perfect shape like a man. His face was not ablaze, but had the countenance of fire being bright and shining. So as they say, this is the water that Joseph Smith was swimming in. This was very popular. Now, we are not taught that as a youth in primary. We are taught that this was a unique experience for this young 14-year-old man who, young boy rather, who went into the garden to pray and received this vision. We are not told that other people reported seeing visions at that same time and almost exactly word for word their description. So you can see that there's a little bit of mud going on here and it really does create this cognitive dissonance. But regardless, we are going to talk about how even in this day and age, crystals are being used. Now, what I, what I love to recognize is that crystals are actually used in, the, in technology. We have crystals in our computers, in our clocks. They are very great conductors of energy and they're absolutely beautiful. And one of the things that I like to um, remember as far as crystals go or any kind of tarot reading or any, any of the mystic formats is that um, it's not an, an outside job. When, when we're talking about things like our chakras, and I don't know if Julie and I are going to talk about our chakras today, but um, chakra healing is an outside job. This is from a book that I have all about chakra healing. 
And it says whether or not you receive outside healing assistance from a practitioner in your chakra healing journey, in the end, you are the one who is the healer of you, not someone else. And that is true whether you're receiving any kind of a religious ritual or um, uh, any kind of a religious blessing. It's not the outside source that brings that in. It's you that makes the manifestation of something happen. And I think that's so important to remember. So I found this fabulous young lady because I picked up once again, this cute little magazine that's free. And in this magazine, there was an article entitled the Witches of Salt Lake City. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to know more about this. Witches in Salt Lake City are at the center of a recent TikTok trend, but they've been here a long time. Salt Lake City has become known for its thriving community of riches recently. Perhaps you've seen one of the viral TikToks joking about it by local Utah band, No Such Animal, where members of the band look out over the city saying, what a nice state. Certainly there are no witches here. Of course, here be witches. Local witch and owner of the Palladian altar, Julia Gates, defines a witch as anyone who's using their own self-power to make lives better. Gates Shop opened its doors in July of last year as a hub for Salt Lake witches of all cultures and creeds. Gates made an effort to, to make her shop baby witch friendly. And we're going to ask Julia to tell us more about how, what the difference is between a baby witch and a grown-up witch. So let's bring Julia on and have her introduce herself and tell us about the witches of Salt Lake City. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Renee. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I was so thrilled to see this article. And of course, immediately I Googled the location of your shop and came in to meet you personally. And I could just tell, I could tell by your countenance, Julia, that you are a good person with, with an inner light that comes out. So tell us a little bit about this idea of witches in Salt Lake City and how you opened your shop and how you kind of became fascinated with this mystic world. All right. So I guess it all kind of started when I was around 16 at my first uh, nine to five job. Um, I just worked at Leatherby's, so nothing too exciting. But I had a couple of coworkers who were using pendulums during my shift. And I had no idea what that was, no idea what any of that meant. Um, but I went ahead and I asked one of them. I was like, hey, what are you doing with your necklace? It's kind of weird. Um, she explained it to me. And I thought it was very interesting that you could uh, you could make your necklace move without actually moving your hand. Um, so that night I went home and I pulled out one of my own necklaces and I tried it out and it worked. And it was the coolest but freakiest thing I had ever done at that point. Um up until then, I'd been really fascinated by um, psychology and hypnosis and the human brain. Um, just the fact that you can make things happen that you can't see. Um, so being able to manipulate the mind, being able to manipulate people's thinking. Um, I wasn't sitting there and like brainwashing people per se, but I would make like my friends fall asleep on their desks at class. So I thought it was really funny. Um, 
what so I kind of had that that correlation between the two uh, where I was really interested in the fact that I can make something happen that didn't make sense and that I couldn't like tangibly see. Um, so they suggested I visit Lotus, which is a crystal store in Draper. Um, and I went and checked it out a few weeks later and the crystal collection began. Oh um, God, yes. <laughs> I know how that goes. Oh my gosh. I was just in Lotus the other day and, and I have crystals and, but I have more now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I started collecting them just because they were cool. I like that they have little like meanings that went with them. Um, at the time, I uh, I was LDS and I was kind of experiencing a lot of anxiety around that, um, a lot of depression and self-esteem issues um, because of the rules. And there weren't rules that I wanted to follow or that made any sense to me. But I found that these crystals kind of helped me with my nightly panic attacks. Um, mm. I would carry one with me if I was just kind of feeling depressed. Um, and at the day, you know, even if it was a placebo effect, it helped me out, you know? Exactly. Um, so I just had a little, a simple little, a simple little collection. Um, once I turned 18, I moved out of my house to go to school at Weber State. I studied graphic design and I left the LDS church officially and I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I explored some like non-denominational Christian organizations and they were fine, I guess. Um, but I didn't really like click with any of them. Um, and then one day when I was 19 out of nowhere, I went, you know what? I'm going to be a witch just for fun. So I started looking into that. I made my first book of shadows. I did a whole like pagan ritual for it. Um, I thought it was super cool. And then a couple days later, I realized, okay, I don't actually like the the religious aspect of any of this. It doesn't. It isn't something that I want to do. I don't. I don't want to feel like I have to go do these things at a certain time and that I have to behave this way. So I, I dropped the whole like pagan thing, although I still kind of was learning bits and pieces from there. Um, later on, I was doing a tattoo apprenticeship at Lucky Bamboo Tattoo in Layton. Uh, I did not finish that apprenticeship, so please don't hit me up to get a tattoo. Oh, darn. Find <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, but one, but my mentor and, and one of his clients, they were talking about astral projection, and I had never even mm. heard of that. Um, I, basically, astral projection is, uh, they were explaining it as tricking your body into thinking that you are asleep, and then um, basically wandering around through the eyes of your astral body or your spirit or your soul. They're all the same thing. It just depends on what word you want to use. So... I started researching that because, again, it's a thing that you can do that you can't see that doesn't make sense. Um, so <laughs> work on that. I started researching it very heavily, um, and that really got me interested in, like, the metaphysical world. Um, before that, I was, like, deathly afraid of, like, ghosts and things like that. Um, but I learned that... You know, they're just different vibrational frequency entities. And all you have to do if you don't like the things that you're being faced with is just raise your vibration. So you just think of um, whatever makes you feel loved. So if you have like 
a kid or a spouse or if you have a pet that you're absolutely obsessed with you'd picture that feeling when you look at them and when you're thinking about them and you'd basically like laser beam it out of you at whatever it is that you're faced with and they'll they'll be scared and they'll they'll leave you alone um so 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 it seems as though there's such a correlation between um like you were saying, laser focusing. Let's talk about how we would compare that to just having someone say, uh, read your scriptures and say your prayers. Or um, I, I really devoted an hour of my morning to uh, prayer, meditation. Meditation is the big word right now. Um, and reading your scriptures. And what that's doing basically is focusing your mind on something and it's setting a precedence maybe on where you're going to go for the for the entire rest of the day. If you tell someone I'm going to read a set of scriptures and I'm going to pray to um, a being of some kind, some kind of a deity, uh, they would say, that's amazing. You are such a kind, wonderful person. But if you said, I am going to light a candle and I'm going to uh, meditate and I'm going to, this is my candle that I have on right now because I'm, you know, kind of wanting to concentrate on the uh, chakra of creativity. And um, so if I say to someone, look, I have my, my crystal in my palm and I have my candle lit and I'm going to really kind of do some affirmations, they're going to go, oh, so we're doing Satan today. Is that what we're doing? So there's such a weird correlation to what one ritual is okay and what another ritual, which is the exact same thing, is telling the outside world. I find that so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so when, I want to go back a little bit. You talked about how you were raised LDS. You were raised in the Mormon church. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about your childhood and what it was about those teachings that brought you, like you were saying, anxiety, depression, and how letting that go and then finding just maybe something as simple as, you know, energy and being able to feel the peace that you got from something like that, mm -hmm. how that changed your life. And yeah. where, where are, where are you in your family as far as like siblings? And that I kind of am the oldest of four kids. Okay. So I have both, both parents live at home. Um, my dad left the church when I was about 12. Okay. Um, so it made it a little easier for me to, to follow, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the, the problems began when I hit puberty and I was uh. interested in boys. So... I know, heaven forbid, but I really like boys and I wanted to have myself some little boyfriends. So I went against what I was supposed to do. And at 12 years old, I had my first little boyfriend. You know, you just hold hands under your desk because that's all you know how to do as a kid. Um, but as soon as I got into um, young women's, we started learning about dating standards and what is required of you and what is not allowed. Um, and there were a lot of things that I didn't like. I didn't like that I wasn't supposed to be interested in anyone until I was 16. And I'm not supposed to be kissing or cuddling or anything like that. Um, 
so I, I, I did it anyways. I'm very stubborn. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And I was constantly in trouble with my parents. Um, I don't, I'm sure part of it was just their own personal beliefs, but a lot of it was uh, church standards um, because here I am at, now at like 15 years old and I have a, a long-term boyfriend and I'm not supposed to be dating yet, you know? So even things yeah. as, even things yeah. as simple as, as kissing and making out with someone, that's not, you're not supposed right. to do those things. You, you know what I find amazing about that is, as you mentioned, um, the natural instinct that you have as a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, and the closer you get into puberty, by the time you're 13, 14, you have these natural feelings. And yet those feelings are taken away and told that they were somehow uniquely evil. That the fact that you have those feelings makes you, you personally, a bad person. When you have no control over the hormones that are raging through your body and giving you these, like you were saying, I mean, when you see little children go from cooties, you know, oh, girls have cooties to, whoa, you know, I want to kiss her. That is not something that is a choice. That's not something that you sat down one day and said, you know, I really want to figure out a way to make my parents as really angry as I can. So I'm going to go against all that. So, it, you know, and I don't want people, the reason I'm saying that is because I don't want people, because that's a, a common trope that's used when people leave the church. They'll say, oh, you just didn't want to follow the rules. Oh, you just weren't strong enough to follow the rules. Or you wanted to sin, so you left the church. It's not a choice. And how different would that have been if someone would have taken, instead in young women, instead of telling you how bad and evil you were, if someone would have pulled you aside and talked to you about what your body was going through and these natural urges that you had and how that was normal and that it was okay because every human goes through that, every animal goes through that, you know, homo sapiens and, and, and any kind of, a, every animal goes through that, right? Birds mm -hmm. and the bees. And so if someone would have taken you aside and said, this is normal, of course you have, you're attracted to boys or, you know, you're attracted to girls or that is something that is happening because you're maturing and your body is maturing. Instead of making it out like you somehow are a bad person for having those thoughts. And so it's kind of the difference between sitting down with a child and explaining how nature works and then talking about where maybe you want to set up some boundaries for your own safety, not as far as a good choice or a bad choice, but these are some things that might help you to stay safe. These are some things that might help you to be more in control of your own situation. Wouldn't that have made a difference? Or do you think that would have made a difference in your life? Oh yeah, probably instead of just, those are bad. Don't even think about it. Don't touch yourself, don't, nothing. Yeah. You know, save yourself for marriage. How are you supposed to know if you're sexually compatible with someone if you don't ever, if you're never intimate with them before you get married though? Right. I feel like so many people in Utah, they get married at 18 to the they're the first person that they like because they're really horny and they just want to have yeah. sex with each other. And they exactly. don't even have proper sex education. A lot of them exactly. are on birth control. So now you have a kid, you just wanted to experiment because you're horny and then it turns out you weren't compatible and you don't like each other. Right, right. And I, I think along with that, as you mentioned, when you're told that you should save yourself for marriage, um, it's an almost the idea that women do not have sexual desires. 
that that is something that only men have, that women don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so you will be presenting yourself as a gift to a partner of some kind. It's not mm -hmm. about you or what you want. It's about what you need to do to make yourself perfect for someone else. And that's a whole nother podcast. But regardless, I, I, you know, I think it's important to realize that that's not the same for everyone. I'm sure there's 12, 13 or 14 year little girls, even 15 or 16, because we all mature at different ages mm -hmm. that are like, yeah, boys are still stupid at 16 or 17. I mean, everybody is different. And, and I can relate to that because I remember at 12 and 13 kind of going, oh, I need a boyfriend. And, you know, and then I have, um, I see other kids at 12 and 13 and 14 that are like, what, why do you want that? And th so those people are praised for their, you know, hormonal structure versus mm -hmm. where we're at. But, uh, you know, anyway, so I can see where that was, a where you're constantly being told how bad you are. Did you, did you find yourself like going back you know, you've had, you've been talking with the bishop and you go back into your bedroom and you're like, I am going to be a better person. I am going to stop these evil thoughts that I want to kiss my boyfriend. These are evil. I am a bad person. Was that where a lot of the anxiety came in? Um, yeah. So uh, I usually have my temple recommend in the bishop's drawer. Oh. Uh, as fun as it is being a minor talking to a middle-aged man in a locked room about your sexual experiences, how long yeah. it was, how it felt, what you were wearing, yeah. where you were, yeah. um, I I was too ashamed to talk to my mom, who was very active in the church, about what was going on. And so I just told her that I lost my recommend. And um. she would spend hours looking for it in my room, oh. trying to find it. Cause I lost it and I just really wanted to go to the temple for temple Tuesday at four in the morning before school. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. That's when our word would go. Um, so, so I was always feeling guilty about that for a little bit. I wasn't supposed to take the sacrament. I made up some other excuse as to why I wasn't taking it. Um, and at that point I, at that point I just kind of, I was just there to go. I, yeah. I didn't have any strong feelings towards the church. I wasn't loving being in the church. Um, I had a, I had a settlement from something that happened when I was little and the bishop wanted me to pay tithing on that. Oh. And um, so that was, those, all these things kind of stacked up were like the last straws right. for me. And right. Once I, you know, once I was like 17, 18, trying to figure out what I want to do for school, that's when I decided I'm not, I'm not going to be going to church anymore. Um, yeah. This is not for me. This is, this pisses me off. Um, I tried, I tried really hard. I did the whole read the scriptures every day and then go pray every day. And then all these things that the bishop told me. And then finally I told him I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I think I want to leave. And pretty much all he had to say was, okay. Have a oh, good life. Gosh. Good luck. Well, that and that brings us to what you were saying, how you kind of discovered, and, and again, I'm what I'm relating this to is how you discovered the power of your mind and how that can be used for good or evil, right? So mm -hmm. before you were being told that the power of your mind is evil. And now you've discovered that, no, no, 
I can actually heal myself and I can be an influence to others simply by using my mind and my attitude and my belief system for good. So explain to me, and I like what you said about becoming a witch, because you would think in 2023 that we will have we would have put aside the idea that witches were, you know, green-faced, evil, Satan-worshipping baby killers. Um, that it is strictly a term, and it's it's so you explain that the term of being a witch, and I also like what you said about um, that. The the great thing, and I've seen this more and more, is there isn't like if you if you wanted to do some kind of a ritual, there isn't a manual. You don't have a witch's handbook that says there's there's a lot of things about suggestions. Like if you wanted to do a full moon ritual or a um, some kind of a, a holiday, like when when uh, uh, you know Halloween's coming up, Sabin is coming up, and you want to do some kind of a ritual, here's an idea. Here's an idea that, you know, because we we do like instruction. Mm -hmm. So I like the idea that uh, people that are new to this, which you referred to as a baby witch, mm -hmm. um, that they are taught, you do, you do you. Do whatever is comfortable for you. But here's a suggestion of something that might help you to focus a little bit or give you some direction. I mean, you can't just go outside, throw salt up in the air. And, you know, you can. But, you know, if you want to make it more of a complete ritual, yeah. Here's a suggestion that you might like. And uh, what I think is ironic is that Joseph Smith was doing those same rituals. And we're just now being, you know, the church is finally having to come out and say, okay, fine. Yes, he made a circle. And yes, he used salt. And yes, he was killing ceremonial animals and using them for sacrifice. And yes, he was claiming that if you dug for a treasure, the reason why you couldn't find it is because you didn't follow this ritual to perfection. And so now the treasure is deeper in the earth or there was an, an angelic person that was watching over the treasure, but you messed up. You didn't have the right color dog. So now, sorry, <laughs> you don't have the treasure. So that's the great thing about being a baby witch is there are no, oh, you don't have the right color dog or, oh, you didn't put salt in it, you know, in the exact right place. So explain to people how the idea of rituals and the term witchcraft kind of came about or is mm -hmm. so at the end of the day i've kind of come to the understanding that witchcraft is just using your energy and the energy around you to improve your life to make things happen to manifest that's really all it is at the end of the day um i purposely use the word witch because it scares people and then i want them to ask questions so that i can kind of clarify what it is that's actually going on um my, my whole job is to kind of reduce stigmas around that word. But there's no, like, right or wrong way to do a ritual. It's whatever makes you feel focused. At the end of the day, a ritual is just a form of meditation so that you can focus on whatever thing it is that you want to manifest. Um, so, for example, uh, one of our most recent moon rituals, people show up. They haven't been to one of our rituals. They assume we're going to be... Uh, chanting and worshiping a deity and dancing naked in the forest or whatever it is that they have in their heads. Uh, and then I joke with them that my rituals are all self-help therapy disguised as witchcraft. Um, so the last time we worked on uh, 
we did one on having positive feelings about ourselves and not letting our self-esteem rely on somebody else. So I, we had everyone just gather in a circle or just outside under the moon and everyone had papers and just wrote down. I was like, okay, I want you to write down every negative thing someone has said to you that you're still holding on to all this time later. What were those things that someone said in third grade that you're still bothered by? Just put it all out there. So we filled up those papers and then I had them all shred them. So we totally destroyed them. We ripped them up into tiny pieces. We put them in bags. And this is when we it got a little more witchy. We put what I call bitch be gone powder on it. Um, it, it just a bunch of protective and cleansing herbs. And we sealed up that bag and we stomped them to a pulp in the parking lot just to kind of get rid of those feelings, uh, to, to physically do something about all of those negative thoughts that we've been hanging on to for so long. Um, and then afterwards, we uh, did some breathing exercises, and then I had everyone repeat some mantras after me, and they were just self-affirmations. So I am loved. Um, I don't have to rely on others to feel good about myself. Um, I am aware of my importance. I let the universe guide me. I feel confident in my body. So things like that. And we were all just saying them out loud. We were all just enjoying ourselves. Um, it usually ends up being a very uh, emotional thing for a lot of people. So it is a safe space at my, at my shop and during our events. If anyone starts crying or anything like that, it's perfectly normal. And I'm not going to sit there and be like, wow, you cried while we were just doing affirmations, you know? Um, so really, those are how our rituals work. It's it's generally going to be uh, some sort of physical item, like a, like handwriting, or maybe you have a candle, just so you have something to focus on, because it's not easy to just sit there and meditate for a lot of people. I don't even sit there and just meditate. That's, yeah. it's just, it's, your mind's going to wander. It's not fun. No one wants to do it, right. you know, but if yeah. you can be making a little craft project, then why not do that while you're doing it? Because you're thinking about it. So all these herbs or all these candles, all the colors, they all signify and like they, they symbolize what it is that you're working on and they just help you focus more on whatever your goal is. Right, right. And that's what I love about it. As you mentioned, <clears throat> I remember listening to um, a podcast and they were talking about meditation and I, I heard this, I heard his words. He said, a lot of people cannot sit in a lotus pose and clear their mind for a, a, a lot of time. So if your idea of meditation is going for a walk or, or some kind of movement, that's meditation. And as you say, having something in your hand or, or working on something that is constantly bringing your intention back, that is, it, what is the difference between that and any other self uh, awareness routine that your therapist is going to have you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got these, you know, they have these, um, the, the uh, little things that they give kids that have ADHD or that they can hold and that they can rub and their sense sensory things. And that's okay. But mm -hmm. hand someone some kind of a crystal and they're like, Oh, Nope. Now you've gone too far. But what if you have a smooth angel stone, you know, that, that you've been told, this is going to bring you peace. When you're feeling anxious, just put this stone in your hand and hold mm -hmm. on to it. And it's just, 
it, it's your mind, as you mentioned, it's your mind that you're controlling. And that's what therapy and self-awareness and self-esteem and anxiety uh, therapy, that's the same thing that they're doing. And I love the idea, and this is what I, I, I think I love about the term witch, because in my mind, there's so much patriarchy out there. And I feel like the role of a witch is a female ordinance, that it is a female. When you hear the word witch, you think of the power of women. And so I reject men calling themselves witches. I reject that. I will not accept that. I'm sorry. You call yourself something else. But I reject that because I just feel the, uh, the fact that our bodies are controlled by the faces of the moon. Men's bodies are not controlled by the faces of the moon. Our bodies are. And the, the fact that women use both sides of our brains, that there are just so many gifts that women were given that scared men and started calling women witches and burning them at the stake. Now, I know that the amount of witches that were burned at the stake is completely conflated and that there really weren't as many as they say there were, but they still were even in the community rejected if they seem to have some kind of power. And it's like, that's not natural. She kind of had a feeling to go over to Susan's house next door. She had a feeling, an intuitive uh, insight that Susan needed her. And she went over there and it's like, witch, how did you know that Susan needed someone to come over? That's the gift of women. So I, I refuse intuition. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I refuse to give male that, 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 that title. I'm, that's my, that's my black and white uh, <laughs> uh, mindset. Um, but, and I also love the fact being of Irish and Scottish descent. Mm -hmm. I love the idea that there's such a Celtic relationship to witches. I feel like that's something I can claim as my heritage. Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason why I kind of love the term witch and, and all of my tattoos are female. I don't know if you can see my very first tattoo was the witch's hat, the pumpkin and the broom. And then I have the, uh, tree of life, you know, designating the maiden mother crone. I have the serpent because that is a symbol of wit of wisdom. And if you want to go along with the myth of the Adam and Eve story, how the serpent came to the woman because of the wisdom, they didn't, he didn't go to the man. He went to the woman because he knew he could communicate with her. So if you want to, you know, that I'm not, I'm using that as a mythology story, but it's significant as far as wisdom goes so I love that. So, and I love, I also love what you said about um, uh, gathering and how people have this vision of women naked dancing in the forest. And I want to point out, and you can also back me up here. That is something that I refuse to get involved in organized religion. And I refuse to get involved in organized witchcraft, especially if it was organized by a man because usually there is a sexual component if there is a man involved. So talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, I feel like I, I don't think there's a problem if you really feel like going and dancing naked in the woods. Uh, but I feel like that would be a very um, sacred and special like women's event where you would focus on your feminine energy, uh, just allow yourself to move freely without any expectations um 
without having to worry about, I don't know, sucking in your stomach because society says you need to have a flat stomach or wearing makeup because you're supposed to look pretty. So I feel like if you were to do something like that, it would just be a time to really just focus on your your feminine energy without any, um, without having to worry about any stereotypes or without having to uh, worry about what other people are looking at or thinking about you. Um, I know that um, in other cultures, there are the, um, if you go to a spa in Korea or something like that, you're going to have females walking around naked and they're, they're, they're very comfortable with their bodies. Mm -hmm. And, um, so as you say, but there's not a man or other men that are there that would give women the, be themselves. You could be themselves and you can pre appreciate each other. And I agree with that. So as women getting together, uh, in some kind of a ritualistic thing that's so common outside of our Victorian buttoned up culture that we have here in the United States. Mm -hmm. We are so buttoned up. It's it's amazing when you go outside of the United States um, how women are treated about with their bodies and it's completely different. It's it's mm -hmm. amazing. And yeah, any kind of sisterhood is a completely different scenario than something that involves men and women together and any kind of sexual thing that is then passed off as a ritual. If it, if it, you know, it's to me, I, I'm against that. That's my black and white, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. We'll talk, talk a little bit about, um, so you, you've, you've gotten into this for yourself and you're, and you're healing yourself through ritual and things like that. So talk a little bit more about the crystals themselves mm -hmm. and then how you decided to open up your store. Yeah, so my favorite crystals are going to be calcites and then the rainbowy crystals. So like labradorites and opals, things like that. Um, calcite is a very soothing. I love that you can literally feel the texture and you can just feel all of your worries dissolve because it feels like a bar of soap. They're very fun to touch. Um, and then labradorite, one, they're super pretty and flashy and I like to look at them. Uh, but two, they kind of put like a, an energetic field around you, a little bit of a protection field. Um, and at the end of the day, whether or not that's actually true, that's up to you to believe. But if it makes someone feel better and it makes them a little bit less paranoid and it makes them sleep a little bit better, then why bother them about it, you know? Um, so I started to collect like one crystal for each like topic. So one for like energy and one for sleep and one for headaches, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then later on, I, I hopped onto that TikTok train and was just kind of, you know, looking through stuff and which talk kept coming up. And that's where I learned about Moldavite. So Moldavite is a very interesting stone. It's not even really a stone. Um, it's a meteorite glass. So uh, Moldavite came is, well, okay. So Moldavite came from the uh, meteor that they think wiped out most of the dinosaurs. So when that thing hit the earth, it was so hot that all the sand around it just turned to glass. Um, it melted all the sand, turned it all into glass. So it's it's very otherworldly, uh, we'll put it that way. And people use Moldavite to um, put them on their life's path. So 
people are scared of it because bad things happen and good things will happen. So uh-huh. it, it brings in opportunities and it removes obstacles towards your higher good. So you might put that thing on and then your boyfriend leaves you the next day. Or mm-hmm. all of a sudden you go into a bunch of debt. Or all these things happen. But they all kind of happen for a reason. Um, so I got my Moldavite. Um, actually, that day I had just reunited with someone from my elementary school who I hadn't talked to in years and years and years. We decided to go crystal shopping. Um, I got my Moldavite. And then a couple hours later, I learned how to make a spell jars from that person. Um, and then like a day or two later, I got invited to join my dad's podcast. It's called the new Utah podcast as a co-host. And that week, um, I, we had like a field trip podcast. We were on, on site for something and it was for a, a little small business collective and they were hosting farmer's market. And I decided to show the lady in charge kind of my spell jars that I'd been making. And she invited me to have a farmer's booth table for free. Um, So all of these happened. These things kind of happened within about a week. Um, So I had to hurry and get like a business license and all these things. And I'd kind of been thinking, oh, yeah, I can make like an Etsy or something. That'd be kind of fun. Um, but I had always wanted to have a farmer's market stand. So when I was like nine, we went to the, I think the Wheeler Farm Market was what it was. Oh, and yeah. I thought it was so cool that you could have a tiny store. It's like playing, it's like playing house or dress up or whatever. But now you have a tiny yeah. store. Right. Um, so I, I, I always thought that'd be the most fun thing, but I never exactly knew what I would do for it. And I never really went out of my way to make it happen. Um, so I got my stuff together. I got a couple of rocks. I put together some spell jars. I made a couple of like spell jar kits. And then I packed up my single table and my Dollar Tree garbage bag looking uh, tablecloth. I brought my little brother. He had some spray paint and we were in business. Uh, That that, um, I had handwritten a letter thanking whoever made my was my first sale. Like, Hey, thank you. I've always wanted to have a market business. This is really exciting for me. So I really appreciate you like jumping, jump starting that, making it happen. And so it was a sweet little old lady. And so she ended up getting that card. I just kind of snuck it in all over her stuff. Um, and our first day, I think we made like $50 and I was over the moon. Oh my gosh, people wanted my stuff and they were willing to pay me for it. Um, I had always kind of sold art and things like that, but I had never sold like a product before so it was very exciting um and the tent next door is like oh yeah i remember when i thought 50 dollars was a lot i'm glad that you made that though um and and i I would learn later that no 50 dollars for a market is actually really bad but i didn't know that and i was very excited (laughs) um so i just started kind of working on my social media presence um i had a there was a little coffee truck who had a little display case and they put a couple of my things in there just to kind of sell and help me out. And um, we kind of started to gain traction. I And we started selling at like the Witch's Bazaar. We would do uh, the all the town days, so Riverton days and West Fest and all that stuff. And then um, 
it got to the point where people would be constantly asked, do you have a store? Do you have a store? Uh, do you have a website? Like, do you have somewhere I can go see this stuff? And I right. was like, I wish. I, I don't think there's any way that's going to be able to happen right now. Yeah. Um, and then I was at a family barbecue, and I was just kind of talking to my grandpa about how my markets are going. And I was like, you know, I really wish. I think it'd be so cool if I could have a storefront. And he said, so why don't you do it? Um, and like five minutes later, I started looking at my retail spaces. Um, and it took me probably eight or nine months to find something. Um, but what I found was perfect. It fit my budget. It was less than budget. Um, and I got really, really lucky with the space. I just happened to be on KSL. I'm sure I was wearing a moldavite. I just happened to be browsing KSL and happened to refresh the page. And right then was when the listing for my place came up. And I was the first one to bug them. And as, as the first day that they were available to show it to me, I, I went in there and then the next, um, the next day I took it, I signed the lease on it. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And that was, uh, 2021, 2021. Yep. Okay. Or 2021 so that... is when I built the business is when I started okay. the business. So it was the next okay. year. So 2022 okay. was okay. when I signed the lease on my brick and mortar. Okay. And I love the fact, now tell us the name and the address. It's the Palladian altar. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. The Palladian and, altar. Palladian. And, and tell us what that means. Okay. And so tell, tell us a little bit about what an altar is. All right. So an altar is just a space of worship or a place of focus or a place of meditation. Um, Pleiadian just means from Pleiades and Pleiades is a little star cluster in the sky. Uh, it's in the Taurus constellation, and it's actually what Orion points to. Most people can spot Orion in the sky. Um, the story goes that uh, Orion was, uh, he was kind of a predator towards women. And there were these seven sisters who were constantly preyed upon by him. So Zeus turned them into stars so that they would be protected and safe from men. Mm. Um, so I, I really love that it's a safe space for women. If you want to get into the other aspects of it, it's where uh, light workers and healers' souls are believed to come from. Um, and you actually see the word and you see the constellation almost every single day. So Subaru, uh, the Subaru logo is the Pleiades constellation. Oh, that's and so Subaru translates roughly to, I believe, to group. And it, it, it has to do with the Pleiades. So you oh, see I it every that. day. You just don't realize you're seeing it every day. Oh uh, so gosh. I thought that was so cool when I learned that. Um, that is so cool. So it's my safe space. It's a queer safe space. I don't care who comes in there. You can be any age, gender, culture, background, religion, and we're going to have something for you. We're not going to okay. push any sort of agenda, any sort of religion down your throat. Um, but we're also not going to be gatekeepy. So a lot of, a lot of crystal stores tend to not be very uh customer service oriented they're mm. just there to do their thing and make some sales and a lot of places don't really want to answer questions if you don't know how something works they just expect you to already know how everything works. Uh, so uh -huh. we are more than happy to teach anyone about whatever so if you don't know how to use a project we will get our butts off up off from behind the desk and we will show you how to use it oh, we purposely so cool. we purposely have all of our products open so no, no like plastic wrap on anything. So you can look oh. through all of the tarot cards and read through all the little books and you can smell the oils to see if you like them. You can try things on and you can, uh, you can read the books. And um, I, I feel like you should be able to 
to really look through something to see if you like it and not buy a tarot deck because it was sealed shut and then right the cover and then you don't like a single card in it and it sucks and you weren't actually vibing with it you know Exactly. And you also, and I like the fact that you also have events, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. full moon and things like that. I know you just had an event helping people maybe to heal their inner child. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a fun event. And then what do you have coming up? I know we just did a full moon. So what's our, what's the next event you have coming up? Um, so the next event that we have coming up is September 7th and it's a ritual it is a setting boundaries and saying no ritual. Ah. Um, so I like to joke that all of my products and all of our rituals are my problems that everyone else ah. gets to take place with. So that's something that I need to work on. And I was like, okay, if I need to work on it, there's got to be other people who need to work on it as well. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But it's, a, it's at 9 p.m. at my shop. Um, and the address is 917 Vine Street, and it's just Unit B. Um, the easiest way to find that is just to look up Garden Espresso in Murray, Utah, and it's in the same okay. parking lot. We're just tucked right behind them. Okay, very good. Yeah, it's not hard to find at all. And um, I, I love that you said that. I think it's Brene Brown that said no is a full sentence. I can't remember if I, mm -hmm. if I should give her that uh, attribution. But um, <laughs> so I love that, that it's it's – Again, a typical woman's response to either feel as though they're self-serving if they say if they don't say no, they mm -hmm. have to always be serving other people and that setting boundaries is not allowed. That's such yeah. a female issue. Uh, and especially, I believe, in the church where we've been told to never turn down a calling or, you know, please, uh, your whole role is to be a servant to your husband and to your children. Mm -hmm. And so learning to say no or l learning to set boundaries is such it, this. It's not an easy thing to learn, but it is an important tool to have. So I love that that's your next uh, event. So I encourage everyone to look up the Palladian altar. Uh, it's in Murray and UtahCrystals.com is our domain. I love it. Utah Crystal. And she is also on Facebook and Instagram and uh, just go into the store and meet her and you will just feel her energy as I did. And thank you so much for sharing with us your story today. And I love that you, even as a young woman, eventually it didn't take you very long. And I, and I love that. I love that attribute that, that it didn't take you very long to go. It, 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 that's not me. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Let me show you who I am, I am going to become visible in my way and not, mm -hmm. I'm not going to take over your cloak that you think I should be uh, embracing. So I love that. Another, she became visible, uh, strong woman example. And that's who I have on the podcast. So I appreciate you coming and giving us your Sunday morning. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And we might see you on the 7th, 7th of September. People write that down, learn how to say no. So if you had something else planned, Say no to that and come to Julia's events. Oh, there you go. All right. Have a great weekend. Happy Labor Day. There you go. Didn't I tell you? I try to, I try to warn you when I have these fabulous guests on. And um, she is just...
you can just, like I said, you can feel her vibe when you go into her store. It's a very cute little store. And I love what she said about the fact that her things are open. When you go into her store, her shelves are free. You can touch, you can feel, you can smell. You can use all of your senses when you walk in there. And that's so important. But I think the most important thing to remember is it's all the power of your attitude and in your mind. If you choose to follow a certain belief and that gives you peace and strength, I applaud that. If you take those same principles and use it in another direction and it brings you peace and harmony and it makes you a better person and it, it brings value to your life, I applaud that as well. This is just another area that I wanted uh, to bring out. And I also think it's important to realize that um, life is, is a constant journey. There's always going to be hills and valleys and whatever gets you through life with peace and comfort is what you need to find. So I hope you could find that today. Um, and, uh, go to one of Julia's events, look her up the Palladian altar, and, um, you have a fabulous Labor Day weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me today on She Became Visible. Join me each week as my guests and I explore the path of womanhood and tell all our stories. We'll talk about finding the courage to be ourselves and motivate each other to be everything that we're capable of and meant to be, no matter what happens around us. Please like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to donate at shebecamevisible.org.